This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Pangarang people. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and the modern Australian nation has never come to terms with or made a genuine attempt to address what happened to Indigenous people following European arrival. Well may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 145 for Sunday 21st of March, 2021. I'm Jeremy Siapiko and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to the country, what's likely to happen and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight's guest host is returning guest host. I, I don't know why I keep suggesting there's other guest hosts. There, will, there are occasionally other guest hosts. Anyway, uh, my beloved wife Denise. Welcome back Denise. Hello, good to be back. Uh, this has been a difficult episode to get up because immediately after the last episode we had the Brittany Higgins thing then going into the historical rape allegations against Christian Porter and a fairly traumatic story, partly not just what happened, but also how it was dealt with and how they're working yeah. hard to double down on it, to the point where we've kind of been in a bit of a bind because... I find even listening to the news of it very upsetting, and it is upsetting due to personal history, like a lot of people. And so talking about it in any sort of manner is not something I'm particularly good at. So you don't want a bloke talking about this sort of thing, because there's too many blokes talking about this, and making unbelievably asinine... Right? But, you know, Peter Van Onselen out there trying to defend his his mate, Christian Porter, not, you know, accusing himself from discussions no. about it, but um, and being out there being like... Genuinely, how would anyone feel if the way that this initially played out and came out happened to one of your children or partners? Genuinely, how would you feel? Other than, like, what if you had basic empathy of human beings and, and you were able to contra- contemplate how horrific rape would be? Yeah. So we don't want blokes talking about it because apparently empathy is something that we're not trained with. We're growing up. Anyway, any case, blokes are not the right people necessarily to talk about this. Uh, but on the other hand, well, the women who would normally do this podcast with us are also in a similar situation. Well, not not that they're not uh, yeah in a similar situation to you. Yeah. So we want people who are both affected and have personal insights in relation to it, but are not have but don't have that because that's trauma because it's triggering. And if you have had those experiences, so we kind of hit this point where there's there was no right person to have this discussion with. Yeah, and I think we tried a couple times, and I just wasn't able to do it, and so we respected that, and we've stayed a bit quiet. And it's so depressing because in the old days, a prime minister would sack a minister if, for for any reason, like if there was a a whiff of scandal, if there was, they just didn't like the colour of their gym anymore. They Mm. just they they were out of favour. Like the prime minister, you can they can sack somebody without. It's not like the, a minister can bring an unfair dismissal claim because I was kicked out of the cabinet. They, like the prime minister doesn't have to have anyone in their cabinet if they don't want to. They have yeah. complete power to hire and fire. And in the old days, people people resigned from ministry or were encouraged to move because they were going to just... And I guess the old political calculus. And you know how there's all these things that were like received wisdom, this is how it's done. And if you're in a situation like this, you know, that's up the scale, you resign. Yeah. And it had gradually got there over years, presumably, you know, 100 years ago, presumably gradually over time, people not resigning 
caused problems for the governments that they didn't resign from. So it became the wise thing. People realised that the wise thing to do was to get rid of them. Yeah. And that became the received wisdom. And then over generations, this, this mob have basically gone, well, what if we just tough it out? And yeah. in the old days, when people had a sense of shame, they couldn't. But nowadays, in the era of Trump and, and subsequently, this government thinks they can. Oh, I won't have trial by media. Ah. Trial by Twitter. All right, I am I am qualified to to talk on one one issue connected to this, which is the shameless efforts of Porter's defenders to to trick people into thinking that th- that things that sound like important facts, because they are, as in the presumption of in- presumption of innocence and the rule of law, mean things that are entirely different to what they mean. So they're trying to pretend that the presumption of innocence means you can't. Say that somebody you can't you can't accuse somebody until they've been found guilty in a court yeah. of law. Now, <clears throat> found guilty being in a criminal court. Now, obviously, in this case, that's almost impossible to happen because the, the complainant is dead. Uh, so it would be very hard to run a prosecution. Although there are some serious concerns about New South Wales police being the ones who didn't even bother, who were supposed to investigate this, didn't bother talking to Porter. No. Um, that Porter and the Prime Minister both say they didn't read the allegations. Like, how, how thoroughly was this, in fact, investigated? It doesn't feel like it was very thorough. And, of course, the person in charge uh, of New South Wales Police being the person who's come out with this consent, this, ins- this deranged consent app idea this week. But we'll come back to the consent app idea. Yes. Um, it's almost like the people who are making these decisions are not particularly um, concerned about or, or, care, or, or conscious of the issues facing women. Anyway, um, the presumption of innocence... Let's be really clear about this, because if anybody cites this to you, I want everybody who listens to this podcast to be able to retort. Presumption of innocence is only about criminal trials. It is only because in a criminal trial, we set the bar very high because we want to send guilty people to prison. We don't want to be adding to... If you can't be sure whether whether a crime happened and there's a, a, a perpetrator and a victim, you don't want to add to the injustice by sending an innocent person to jail or to criminal punishment and so yeah. we set the bar for criminal prosecutions very high it's beyond reasonable doubt yes so you can be 80 percent likely to have done it 90 percent likely to have done it and that's not enough to get you found guilty yes and we've done that because we would rather it's an old hell it's actually ironically from the bible originally it's in old, but throughout the whole it's a, it's a principle generally throughout well the bible's not the only place with it but the idea that it's better that nine innocent nine guilty people go free than one innocent person be convicted yeah um, now, obviously, the criminal justice system doesn't always work that way. Um, and you're at a huge disadvantage if you're not, you know, rich and white. Yeah, and... If you're rich, it works that way if you're rich and, rich and powerful. But if you're um, not, then it doesn't work that way at all. But the idea, that's the idea. So the presumption of innocence is the idea that the prosecution, we set the bar very high for a criminal prosecution because when you're found guilty at that end, then you've been found guilty with a high level of certainty and then the, then the punishment can apply. Now, that is not the standard we use in civil courts. The standard in civil courts is balance of probabilities. Yeah. Now, that's just, is it likely or not? More likely or not that it happened. Um, so th- when they talk about the presumption of innocence, nobody's entitled that the rest of us assume that they're innocent. The only place where that applies is if they're being charged with a criminal trial, a cr- criminal charge, and then there's a criminal trial to test whether they committed that crime. Yeah. That is the only place the presumption of innocence applies. And, and you can, I mean, you can tell it. The idea of this government whinging about the presumption of innocence when they're the people who work on the, flip the onus of proof on um, people when they're accusing them of robo-debts. Debt, and so yeah. like they, they're more than happy to flip the onus. Oh, absolutely. You have to get documents that you want. people aren't actually even legally bound to keep for that long, like outside of that yeah. statute of regular to limitation, to prove the negative to us. Absolutely. Um, and that's, un, that's unjust. But uh, 
if the if the if we can if people are think the material is strong enough on the balance of probabilities that Porter did it, then they're not entitled to presume that he's innocent just because it wasn't like they couldn't get a ninety five percent certainty to get him over mm-hmm. line in a criminal trial. That's not if 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 you knew somebody who was um, if somebody if, if somebody was applying for a job with you and, and you know it was eighty percent likely they'd committed a rape. Or somebody was when he wanted to be a friend, it was eighty percent like, oh, do you have to go? Oh, well, they're innocent because they haven't been found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. No, that's not how that works at all. No, and so somebody sixty percent likely to have committed a serious crime. Should they be in your cabinet? No, no, really, they shouldn't. And they should they, should they still be the person overseeing judges and everything as the attorney general? Well, this this is what's even more perverse. So so Porter, of course, has sued the um, ABC and Louise Milligan. Not not other news outlets that have reported no. this, like News Limited. No, just the ABC and, and the reporter Louise Milligan. And on the basis of an article that the original article they published, which was reporting that these allegations were being made, they were reported as alleged Yeah, offense. alleged allegations they, against a cabinet minister. Yeah, they didn't name him. and He named himself later. They didn't mm. name him. And more importantly, I would say, is it they only alleged... The reporter is—it's a news report reporting that this is a thing that is that there are serious grounds on which a, a serious allegation is being made. There are contemporaneous details mm-hmm. in this dossier that match up, um, and yet Porter might well succeed in his defamation action. Now, it's really perverse that somebody who a is the federal Commonwealth Attorney General who's in charge of things like the review into. Defamation laws. Yes, which he's even said are messed up. He's even re- said that they need to be reviewed. And now he's going to take advantage, advantage of, them, of it, or the ones that are messed up. He's also the person that's right who appoints the judges, funds the courts. Like it mm. is, there is a um, in terms of the ABC, he's in the in the cabinet. He'll when they're deciding what funding goes to the ABC. Yeah, he's not recusing himself from any of those things. All of those decisions. He talk about a conflict of interest. Yeah, how is it appropriate? Hugely. Now, if, Moving out for a second about whether um, whether Scummo should hire or fire people from, from jobs and whether Porter should have his political career ruined, he should be moved out of anything that he's got a personal conflict in, like yes. anything to do with the courts that he's suing people in, and um, he shouldn't be voting on um, decisions about ABC funding either. Well, and I think one of the other things you said about a defamation case, sorry to, to skip back slightly... No, we need to we need to discuss actually how broken defamation is in Australia. Yeah. The fact that he because may well succeed on this despite them not identifying him and despite them saying we just we're only reporting this as an allegation. We're not saying it happened. The yeah. ABC can't prove that it happened. Um, the thing about the the defamation cases, and I, I know some friends who've gone through defamation cases here in Australia, and they've been really horrible and it's a messed up messed up system. It's massively biased um, towards the plaintiffs in Australia. But he said in his press release that the ABC will have a chance to present their case at this, but it's not a criminal trial. It's not a chance for the ABC to compel witnesses. It's not a chance for the ABC to get people up there on a witness stand, and like they can't go to the people. They can't necessarily compel people to tell their story and do the same sort of thing that well, they, they can could in try. That they can try to subpoena people, but they don't. But, but they, that's exactly the point. Like they're yeah. putting this as, oh, okay, there doesn't need to be an independent inquiry anymore no. because we're having a court process. Yeah, exactly. No, and in a, a government inquiry and a proper inquiry would it be would be um, as said that would be called by a prime minister would have investigative powers. Yeah, they can go. Fishing. They can yep. do stuff that a court a court mob will let the ABC subpoena witnesses. Yes, but it won't let them 
go fishing. It won't yeah. let them go dig into and with the allegations. That they, they can't have, investigate. And with the lawyers that they have, if they get someone up there on the on the stand, you know that they will be those very, very high-paid lawyers who are very, very skilled because they work things like the Jeffrey Rush case will be um, sitting there slamming down anything that even like hints of fishing, even hints of them not yeah. having an end game. So what it is is the ABC is being fought to... We're getting lied to and presented that this is the equivalent of an inquiry. When what it is is he's having, fighting the ABC on the grounds that are most plaintiff favourable to him. Mm. The onus perversely is switched. The ABC has to prove the truth of the allegations. Yeah. Like, when the ABC wasn't even alleging the truth of the allegations, they were no. alleging that they were credible enough that they were uh, had news value and were, and the idea there's no public interest defence there that's available to or it's a very difficult to access one. Um, the the idea that when the mm. ABC didn't identify him, that's not enough because other people because Christian Porter's conduct is so terrible generally that people were able to take the next leap and go, oh, I reckon it was Porter and like yeah. his name was twi- trending on Twitter. Seriously, um, you can Google the. Uh, the, the statement of claim in the Porter case, mm-hmm. and you can read it, and you can see at the back of it is the um, article that the ABC wrote. And seriously, if you can't write that an article as neutrally as that, reporting you know allegations that are in the public interest that are serious, without being sued, if if Porter succeeds in this, we can't the news can't report anything. Maybe no. like and like how can you? Basically, if, if, the, if the complainant dies and the criminal police can't do anything, the person gets away with it completely because nobody can report it because nobody will be able to prove it um, because they don't, can't dig back. And yeah. suddenly, suddenly the person who's simply reporting it is on trial. To pro- now, I, I mean, I don't know if, if they could... Imagine, imagine this. So, look, this is not my area of law, but I, 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 wonder, if, I wonder if the ABC and Milligan could sue Porter in return for... Or the ABC can't because um, organisations of that size can't sue for defamation. But I wonder if Milligan could sue in return on the, uh, on the basis that uh, Porter's statements have demeaned her reporting and, and put out that she's yeah. an unprofessional journalist and then flip the onus back again. That would be... Yeah, that would actually be very good. There's, there's a bunch of practical reasons why they, yeah. might, they probably wouldn't do that. But anyway, I, it's just the idea that the only trial that's happening here is not of the person who may well have committed this very serious offence. But it is of the ABC and Louise Milligan. Yeah. That is... It's messed up. In, in, a, in a process that is one of the worst in the world um, in terms of... Oh, God. Uh, and it's weird the um, people who are always whinging about free speech are not defending the ABC and Milligan and this. They're not, you know, defending... The people who are constantly complaining about, uh, you know, the importance of journalism and journalist oh. rights and so forth, they're not defending the ABC and Louise Milligan. Because no, but they it's will about defend, politics. you know, like Andrew Bolt saying that, you know, how many men need to go to jail for supposedly, you know, raping boys. Oh, then. my God. That, yeah, that was a Bolt post on this. The, the, if you're getting defended by Andrew Bolt, who... You're doing something wrong. It, it is amazing to me that, that Bolt, being such a, a vehement Pell defender, hasn't demeaned his currency in the community. Oh, but we've spoken with people who who said, oh, yeah, but they had it wrong with him. There's, there's no way he could have done it. It was, he was, well, no, it was high, a stitch-up. The High Court overturned the conviction because it was a difficult conviction to bring when a, one of the complaints was dead, and it was a long time ago. And that was it's been a while since we talked about that judgment, and obviously we don't want to get sued for defamation either because mm. the system is so fundamentally broken. But the High Court did a very weird thing in that case where it decided to reconsider the evidence that was before the jury and make its own decision overriding overriding that, even though 
it hadn't heard the evidence. Yeah. It didn't. You're supposed to, the people who have actually heard the evidence in court are supposed to. The, the um, appeal courts are supposed to be very wary about overriding that. Yeah. Because they didn't. They weren't there. They weren't able to make personal judgments of the mm. witnesses. Anyway, we, 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 you can't appeal again from the High Court, but it doesn't, but anyway. mean, it doesn't mean that the High Court was right. We know Scott. And it also doesn't mean that, that Pell's a great person. Like, no. The fact that it was hard to prove a criminal offence against him doesn't have any doesn't in any way undo the fact that that's not all that Pell is criticised for. Pell is criticised for how he set up a process in relation to the many pedophile priests yes. that completely screwed over the victims. Yes. Now, that's not, a, he, that's not a criminal charge. The High Court didn't acquit him of that. No, they did not. Anyway... Understandably, people across the nation are were angry, um, and are angry, and at, at the fact that their response is to bury it. Oh, the government try to like we defend the status quo. We'll say the words, but we will Absolutely. not. There will be no consequences for anyone attacked. It's to just us. been a few months of constant things. Like, like not only was the initial thing about what happened by uh, to Brittany, Brittany Higgins, Brittany Higgins, but then, well, they then the, uh, her, and then they attacked her through a partner. Yeah, they, and, I mean, they immediately steam cleaned the office immediately after the crime. And you know. then they had other things like all the other people who came forward and said this exact same staffer assaulted them. Um, and then you have the Christian Porter situation. And the way they responded to it, which is Yeah, they responded down. to all of it badly. So there was a March for Justice across Australia with massive turnouts. Like even here where we live, there were 600 people. And we live in a small country. We live in a country place, you know. Like it's not even really a city. It's a town. And he wouldn't go out. But he offered them a meeting behind closed doors, which is the problem anyway. These meetings are being held behind closed doors. Things are being said and promised and who knows what's happening. It's behind well, closed doors. Behind closed. Exactly. It's, a pretty, it's like a power move. You know? It really is. You know, I'll stand here in my big prime ministerial yeah. office. I won't expose myself to the real political harm of being outside and being being shouted at by I'll people. I'll stroke who my I'm... little metal boat that says stop the boats and sort of... Uh... <laughs> so, But it's also the idea that he can say that he offered them a meeting. He offered to do the genuine thing and to meet with them, and they were disingenuous by not coming out and meeting with him. And he sent his his lackeys like um, Hume and um, McCormack to to, be like, oh, you know, it's all good. The Prime Minister's taking it seriously. He's willing to meet you quietly in private where where he can say what he likes about it. Yeah, exactly. He can sell it after. Where he can sell sell the fact that he... The bottom line is they want action. Yep. He wants nothing. Nothing's happened. He wants they want consequences well. to people for the people doing these terrible things. He wants no consequences. So they're kind of incompatible. And he, I think that's but, why he didn't want to go out there. But it's okay, though. His refusal to go out there was was founded in something real and serious, which is that the prime minister shouldn't go out and be in crowds. Right. That's security advice, was it? Yeah, so security advice. So why was he footy on Friday night? Well, the MCG isn't a crowd. Oh, uh, Okay. It's a crowd of people who probably like him. Why was why was um, the the gutless, vicious, lying piece of excrement that is John Howard as prime minister? Why was why was he out there, admittedly with a bulletproof vest on, but still, why was he out there addressing angry gun owners when they were after Port Arthur when they were going to take away their guns? Who can send a message all the way down to Canberra to that sawn-off little dickhead Jackboot Johnny? The only currency that you can purchase freedom back with is blood. And he, there's all the photographs of Howard talking to angry, angry gun owners. I'm sorry about that, but there is no other way. There is no other way. You know, I grumbled and I argued with him, and in the end, I thought, oh well, this is stupid. I might as well wear it. And I'm sorry I did. I really am. I felt a, a bit of a goose afterwards for having worn it. But that is an element 
of turning around the culture in this country, and that is the reason why the government's Yeah, they still could have shot him in the head, even with a bulletproof vest. Yeah, yeah like he so went he, out there. I, I, but, but that he was. He, if John Howard can go out there and talk to gun owners, and like I, know, I did know that as soon as this, oh no, it was security that Prime Minister had to had to rely on one of, mm. one of his. One of his one of the Liberal MPs was like, no, no, it was a security device. He was like, and he was immediately replying with the shot of Howard, the photograph of yeah, shot is the ironic word, but the photograph of Howard at the... At the Gun rally. And, so, and also the photograph of him on Friday night at the MCG and the photographs of him at, at his church and the I'm photographs sorry. of him at every single cricket or football game that he's gone to because, you know, he loves his sharks. So, but the idea that... that Howard was able to do it in front of gun people and Scummo won't stand up in front of... Women protesting against violence. Yes, women protesting against violence by men against... Well, by primarily by men against women. It, to be fair, I think, I think Scamo, he's had legitimate fears because there was a real risk that... They would heckle know, him? They might. They might. They might attack his political interests. They might ruthlessly criticise him with words. He, he might come out of it looking like... Crappy. He might take political damage, political harm. He could suffer political no, harm. No, but he doesn't worry about that. He lives outside the bubble. <laughs> He's not part of the Canberra bubble. He but lives outside it. He's hiding in the Parliament House bubble, like the exactly. <laughs> he literally was was hiding, shielding himself behind the bubble. And then what? He goes, he goes down know, to question time? He goes down to question time and he does the right thing. He acknowledges the marches happening across the country and says we should be grateful we're not being shot at. Not far from here, such marches, even now, are being met with bullets. I mean, why, why don't people give Scott Morrison the credit for the very high bar of the, him deciding not to shoot at the protesters? <sighs> Well, you know, if it had Give been... him credit for that. It's a great country. The Prime Minister didn't shoot at the protesters. Yes, the very, very negligible, inconsequential... What? I never get credit for, the, for all of the many people in the world that I've never shot. Yeah, and the thing is, he might not be shooting at the protesters, but he's lining up more women to die and to be assaulted oh. by not doing anything and not being seen in, in to do anything. So, there oh, you when, go. When they give their excuses, they're like, oh, look, we're putting some funding into domestic, um, uh, into shelters for people to flee, flee and so forth. So, but it's after they massively cut all of that. Yeah. As well as giving domestic violence survivors the opportunity to dig into their super to uh, flee domestic violence when there's when women's super is statistically so much lower than men's. It's not the perpetrator that has to dig into his super to pay off that. You know, it's. I don't want to jump to the conclusion that the liberals are relentlessly hostile to super as an idea and will do anything in their in their power to destroy it, but. There, are, you know, there seems to be a lot of consistent evidence that matches that recently. Yeah, it's like, no, no, let's. Why don't you just all dig into your super for everything that should be government funded? Yeah, like they keep they keep bringing the house thing up too. Like, ooh, you should dig into your super to buy your first house. We'll, we'll pass that. Yeah, I mean, it's just very unfair that that uh, young people uh, are, uh, have money that's they're, they're going to have in their old age when they can't buy a house, as opposed to mm. still not being able to buy a house because if they release the super, then the house prices will go ahead by more than the value of the super being released. But uh, still won't be able to buy a house but also won't have any super in their old age to pay for the you know, ever-increasing rents that they're going to be stuck paying till they die. Woo! Now, I should quickly drop in here that the rule of law is the other thing that they're misrepresenting. It wasn't just the presumption of innocence, but they keep talking about the rule of law as if the rule of law means that unless there's a criminal case, uh, you can't criticise someone. No. That's... that's not what the rule of law means no. at all. Um, or as if the rule of law means that the Prime Minister can't sack somebody from their cabinet unless they can prove beyond reasonable doubt that they committed a crime. Again, no, 
Like, there is no unfair dismissal law that applies to the cabinet, the prime minister picking their cabinet. Like that, all the rule of law means is that everybody's supposed to be treated equally under the law, and that when people and that there should be legal processes to deal with the conflicts between people, mm. and those those processes should be fair and equitable. But as we've seen, the liberals are more than happy to run a system which, well, in case of defamation, massively favours the rich. But a legal system in general, where yeah. if you've got money, then you get you can afford. Uh, the best lawyers you oh. can, and, and if you don't, you can uh, struggle to get legal aid, which you probably won't be able to qualify for anyway. Because, and if you do, the legal aid lawyers are already massively overstretched, and the courts are overstretched, and the mm. judges don't have time to deal with the evidence properly. Like, and then they have run either, the legal system yeah, down. Exactly, and the, or you could fall into that gap where you don't qualify for legal aid and you don't, can't afford a lawyer, or you could be someone who theoretically qualifies for legal aid but doesn't actually end up getting it, so you end up representing yourself. So then the judges look down on you and treat you like crap. So really, it's a win-win situation. Also, the rule of law uh, tends to suggest that the the parliament, the people in power, should be have courts that oversee their actions. Mm. Unlike what this government and their predecessor, the Howard government, did, which is do everything in their power to shove refugees out of this, out of Australia. So, in this weird magical zone that the High Court bizarrely don't ever tell me that the High Court deciding something means that's the right outcome because. Oh, they come up with some odd, odd, odd ideas. This one was the they, they went ahead with the government. They, they, they endorsed the government's weird idea that they could have areas outside Australia's court jurisdiction that mm. the government still ran. So, like the government has power, but they're not subject to the jurisdiction of courts. That makes no sense. But anyway, that was the entire idea of the 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 what it wasn't called the final solution. What was it? The Pacific solution. Yeah. That, but I mean. Everything this government did was to try... The Bedivac thing is because they don't want the refugees having access to courts. There's yes. no, the respect for the rule of law. Are you kidding me? These people no. do everything in their power to make sure that the law cannot ever rein them in when they're using their power to abuse people. The rule of law is about the, the law overriding the powerful. Yes. It's not about the powerful being able to Beat put up barriers everyone. in place and be like, oh, if you couldn't get me on one system, then I'm free. I'm open hose. You can't criticise me. Anyway... I am sure that this government is full of lawyers who know perfectly well what the presumption of innocence and the rule of law are. Mm. And they, the fact that they have relentlessly, along with their Murdoch media um, and, and you know, all, all of their allies, all of their political allies, gotten away with lying to people to persuade them that unless Christian Porter is found guilty of a crime, a historical crime that is hard to prove at the criminal standard... You know, the, the 90, 95%. Unless you yeah. can get him to that level, then he's home and hose and she should be the Attorney General. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not what either of those means. Um, the other thing that, that was perverse about, and coming back to um, the government claiming that they, they give a damn against, about violence against women um, in their defence of why they're not doing anything about the people who keep assaulting women and why they're, they're doing their, everything in their power to make sure that... that People who are associated with them don't face any consequences. Although they are also they are trying to make sure that people associated with Labor face some consequences. Yes. And so they're throwing out the Porter in his in his terrible press conference was oh, like, talking about Bill what, what about Bill Shorten and Nicole Flynn being? What about this random guy who stalked me during the election campaign that I'm going to blame Labor and Get Up for? Wow. Um, anyway, they're doing everything to try and throw the mud the other way. And it's you know the classic the acting attorney general at the moment was um, following this was Michaela Michaela Cash. 
I mean, if you want to start discussing staff matters, be very, very careful, because I'm happy to sit here and name every young woman in Mr Shorten's office over which rumours in this place abound. If you want to go down that path today, I will do it. (laughs) That's a nonsense. And Well, do you want to start naming them? Do you want to start naming them for Mr Shorten to come out and deny any of the rumours that have been circulating this building now for many, many years? The Liberals' response is punish critics, punish the journalists who are reporting it, throw mud as if, as if, oh, the other side assaults women would actually be a defence. Yeah. No, it wouldn't. And the fact that if you're, wait a minute, I mean, surely the response to that should be, are you guys saying that you know about this and have said nothing until you have been criticised? Are you saying that you sat on this because you thought it was okay, but now you're being criticised, suddenly it's relevant? Mm. No, well, that's the only time it is relevant. If this was a thing that's genuine, then why wasn't it being pursued at the time? Mm. And the thing was that it was pursued, the Bill Shorten thing was pursued, and it ran out of steam because there was no basis for pursuing it. Anyway, um, but let's, let's talk about the second thing that they did this week, which really harmed vulnerable people. But it also harmed women because any time you slash social security and you slash avenues for people to be able to get help, uh, it stops women escaping from family violence, getting new housing yes. and, and getting out. So these changes also impact on women yes. playing violence. Um, but yeah, so the government passed through the Senate uh, with Labor voting for it. It's a $7 a day cut yes. from the $50 a day to $43. And of course, the ALP has been more than happy to help the government sell this as an increase. Yes. It's a small increase, but it's an increase. And that is, of course, all that anybody who's doesn't really give a shit about the poor or is not really engaged heard they heard well they got their biggest increase in a long time I should yep. be happy. you know they might not they didn't get everything they want but they got an increase i i can now tune out and not worry because they're better off than they were hooray that is <laughs> then, such a messed up line i'm actually glad that we live in an electorate where the person who represents us helen haynes um refers to it as a cut yeah. you know and is campaigning ag- against this and voting with Greens to keep the numbers up. Yeah, so the Greens, uh, they, basically $80 a day is the Henderson poverty line. So it should be $80 a day. Yeah. Um, so it, it was $80 a day until January the 1st when they cut it to 50 So they already cut it down to well, yeah. just over half the poverty line. They cut it from 80 to 50 Yes. And now they're about to cut it further from 50 to 43 Now And, and they call it Which an is increase. Which almost half. Of the poverty... Oh, wow. It is. So oh, God. It's ha- 43 is half the poverty line, basically. And it is staggering to me. And you get all these Labor stands that are like, no, no, we're calling it a, an increase. And we're uh, the Greens the Greens were showboating because the, uh, the, the non-government parties can't increase funding because the Governor-General has to write, recommend uh, bills that are going to increase funding. Yes. And so if they increased, if they did that amendment, then the bill would have to be rejected. And, uh, they, and, and they wouldn't get this increase. Okay, well, first of all, the $3 increase on the old rate from three rates ago, yeah. so that's not the current rate, yeah. um, comes with these horrific uh, additional punitive mutual obligation bullshit. Yeah. So, frankly, the $3 a day is probably not worth all the people getting cut off due to the unreasonable oh, and it's going to be so much, yeah, and it's going to be so much easier with employers just able to dob people in on their employer dob line because someone didn't take their crappy job. Yeah, so overall, it's probably worse than the status quo. Oh. Um, and secondly, 
you are, by calling it an increase, helping the Liberals sell it as an increase to the people that they need. All they need to do is get people to go, no, it's better than it was. Okay, yeah. I don't have to worry about it. I wasn't worried about it last year. I wasn't worried about it two years ago. I was starting to worry about it two years ago, um, and it needed an increase. And now it's got an increase. I can wipe it out of my, my list of things that I'm actually concerned about and go back to what I'm really concerned about, which is tax cuts for me, and not worrying about what it does to the poor. So the only way to thwart... Imagine that you were the Labor Party and you actually wanted to thwart this. Mm. You wanted to stop this. You actually wanted... You recognised that you'd been a shit... You'd been shit when you were in government uh, from 2007 to 2013 when you didn't increase it. And that you actually recognise that, you know, the social security safety net should be set at, the, at least the poverty line. Yes. And that seems like a basic, people. you know, and that should be something they could commit to as policy to me. Yeah. And then, that's right. All yeah. this stuff like, oh, the Greens are into showboating, whereas Labor, we're committed to, to doing the practical thing that helps people. And and like, was, you're not even committing. You're, like, the Greens are at least committed to the... And what was the line Albert was running in Queensland? We're here for you. <sighs> anyway. It's... So, so say you were actually committed in, in not starving the poor and having a social safety net that, in fact, it, like, imagine if you were Which would make me think that you were here for me. And, and workers. Mm. So Labor is terrified that if it does something for the um, for people who are unemployed and makes a social safety net, that it will be, that, that its blue-collar workers will hate them because it might be more than the, than blue-collar workers are being paid at the moment. But there, but there are people, there are people who are working who are getting less than the poverty line. Like, yep. Now that is a problem. The thing is, if the social safety net was set at the poverty line, then employers would have to pay more. Yeah. Right. Putting social safety net at a level that is livable doesn't hurt workers. It it forces employers mm. to pay livable wages. If you're working for the ACTU and all what? the unions have said for like so many times that you know if you raise that, then you support everyone. It is. It is. Bizarre to me that Labor can't see how increasing the, the um, increasing social, restoring the social safety net to to the poverty line helps everyone except for exploitative employers. Yeah, and they should be able to sell that. But meanwhile, if they call it an increase when it's a cut, so the way they call it an increase, of course, is that um, when the government increased it from the old forty dollars a day to the um, livable amount, when when a bunch of people that they wanted to have still vote for them had to go into it during COVID. They did it as a supplement. They didn't actually increase the base rate. They did a supplement. And then they've just been winding that supplement back. So what they're saying is, oh, you know, we, although we're taking the supplement out, we are increasing the base rate. So mm. that's an increase. And that I, I understand how they're running that argument. Me too. It's but- perverse to me that the people on the other side can't say, hang on. Whatever you call it, bottom line is it was fifty. Sorry, yeah. it was eighty. How much will they be getting in their? How much will they be getting in their bank account next yeah. fortnight? Who cares whether it's called a supplement or the base yeah. rate? How bottom much line, will they be getting in their, their thing? And anytime they run that argument about the other supplements that people really receive, like rent relief and something, the uh, the amount for that is astronomically low. A, not everyone qualifies for them. B, or microscopically than astronomically. <laughs> sorry, yeah, microscopically. <laughs> it's like a dollar a day. Yeah, it's like a dollar fifteen or something. Like, and it's not not a day every week. Yeah. Yeah. Like like it's so low that it's not even it's not even worth it. Well, I mean, they could get rid of those and, and, and increase the base rate to the. I mean, rate. every dollar matters when you're starving and you need to decide whether you're going to feed yourself or feed your children. And when the base um, rate is like half the poverty line. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for me to say it's worthless is a bit callous because you know people who get that supplement absolutely 100% need it. But yeah, there's no way people could rent anything in this market. There's no way that people could, you know try to set up a life, try to save anything, afford medical insurance. Well, it's just not even, they can't even stay at a level. Like, you're mm. constantly going backwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's her, and, and the fact of the matter is we've seen what it can be because we managed it. We just did it. We had it at the poverty line. 
And it's not like people refused to work. It's not like, like it was just enough that people weren't being ground backwards. The ground backwards happened when you went down to 50 and then cutting it further. So look, anybody who calls the, the, the $3 thing an increase, no, it's not like, okay, if I was Labor Party and I came in at the next election and said, uh, we want the tax rate to be uh, whatever it was in 2004. Um, it's not like the Liberals would accept would say, and we'd be like, this is a tax cut compared with what the rates were in, I don't know, 1975. Um, like, the, the, the top margin yeah. rate used to be much higher. And throughout, throughout, that's one of the most ironic things about when boomers are talking about how great the 50s and 60s were. Tax rates were much higher back then. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, so, but it's not like the, if we were like, hey, look, the 2004 rates are still much lower than they were in the 70s, so it's really a cut if you compare it with a previous rate. It's not like they'd be like, oh, okay. No, they wouldn't. They'd be like, it's a tax hike. From the status quo. They yeah. would compare the change to the status quo. So why on earth is nobody standing up there and saying, this is a cut because it's a reduction from the status quo? Well, a few people are standing up and saying it, but the only people who are saying it are people like the Greens, are a few independents. Like, it's the Even only the Greens people... fall back in calling it a minor increase. Yeah, but... Like, it's just, uh-huh. stop it. It's a cut. Call it a cut. Never call it an increase. Don't ever call $50 down a day to $43 a day an increase. No. Just because it could have been even worse down to $40 a day. It's like, oh, it's perverse. It's very infuriating. Anyway, that did shift some of the move, the, the, the news away, partly in combination with Porter frightening the media into shutting up on his thing and they're being able to go, oh, no, no, now it's being dealt with in the court so yeah. we don't have to talk about it anymore, even though it's not being dealt with by an actual inquiry that would dig no. into it. And it's not, there's no actual fact-finding. There's no proper investigation happening. The police didn't do it properly. But the same police who decided not to do it properly, then, unfortunately for, for Scummo, revived... The conversation. Revived the conversation this week with, with his brain fart uh, that, what about, what about... What about the way that? What if we dealt with the issue of, of uh, men raping women with an app for consent? Yeah, and he uh, further said that he hoped that something like that app for consent would help keep boys out of jail. That is, of course, the only thing that that sort of app would do. Because so the idea being that people can sign off on, you know, they can click consent before having yeah. a sexual encounter, and then you know, it's not like you know women are allowed to withdraw consent at any point. Oh, exactly. Or, or yeah, if the if your partner is willing to withdraw consent, if someone could break into your phone or hack your phone or open it, do anything like that, there's not even any data integrity issues. You know, could you imagine the information being hacked and leaked of who was sleeping with who? But like, what's even the best case scenario that people click that? What's the point of that? The only functional thing that has, it doesn't save the woman from being raped. All it would ever do is be give the, her rapist a defense in exactly. court. Like, hey, Google, revoke consent. According to dictionary, reverso. One TR to take back or withdraw, cancel, rescind. To revoke a law. No, revoke consent! Like, and we're laughing because it is... Horrifying. It is horrifying, and sometimes I just don't know what else to do. Well, it's the, la- it's the laughter of, oh my God, the world is... Perverse and bizarre and stupid. Oh, God, and so upsetting. So that was their brilliant idea. I mean, this is the same police force that you know, does uh, strip searches children at, f- at festivals. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Not, the, uh, I not even just at festivals. It strip searches children outside of train stations. But what in... if they had a drug? There yeah. might have been a drug. Do, must do, strip search children do, because do, that's by far the lesser harm. And generally black children as well. Like, it's, you know. <laughs> How about an app that prevents the New South Wales police conducting unlawful strip searches? Yes. Well, yeah, the one good thing Mr. Foley did was he kept this in the uh, uh, debate nationally while people, while Scott Morrison really didn't want to talk about it or think about it and wanted to bury it under the rug. Yep. So, you know, thanks, Fuller. Thanks, Mick Fuller. You're, you, you've, done, you've done a, I mean, at least, 
At least, like, this is also like the thing where Scummo did his. Oh, I, I realise how serious the uh, the assault on Brittany Higgins was because my, my because Jen told me what if think if what if what if it was your daughter like and and at that time the media in the same room without even a pause were like sorry are you saying that up until yesterday your conversation yeah. with Jen you didn't realise this rape was serious yeah. and are you saying that you couldn't think about it as you didn't have a daughter yeah and like, what about men that don't have daughters or wives like what about them so the fact that that happened I reckon ten years ago. That he would have, that would have slid through. Oh, and people would have gone. Oh, isn't that lovely? He talked to Jen, and people would have argued about it, like, but not in, the, not straight away. Like the fact yeah. is, people are uh, their uh, their tolerance for that bullshit is now very low. Yeah, to the point where people in the incredibly gutless camera press gallery will call it out straight away. In the same sense as the Mick Fuller consent app thing was torn to pieces in minutes. Like yeah. it didn't float around. It didn't even take minutes. We it didn't was... even have to argue with it. Really, like yeah. it was immediately like everybody's like, are you? Do you not understand what consent is, you moron? Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, he doesn't. Scummer did have one other, one other piece of legislation that he tried to get through that he couldn't get through in wholesale this week, which is his further attack on workers' rights. Like, whenever they talk about industrial relations and, and, and jobs, jobs, they mean... In fact, I really want... Can we brainstorm this? Or at the end of this podcast, at well may we say... What, how would you like to have a journalist phrase it to Scummer next time he comes out at the end of... Uh, him trying to get, or when he's trying to get a piece of legislation up, um, that is going to harm trying. people and their jobs and, and their talk, working conditions. And he calls it. He says jobs. He says this is about jobs. And if if uh, they don't want to vote for my policy that will increase jobs, uh, you know, if, if they're not going to vote for this tax cut that'll increase jobs, if they're not going to vote for this legislation that cuts protections for workers and increases jobs, like he's always, it's always sold. Basically, anything in the neoliberal agenda, anything which is tax cuts for the rich, mm. starving the poor, going slashing social security. Um, Taking away workers' protections, giving money to employers that they can then pocket instead of actually, you yeah. know, always their excuse is jobs. They've just yeah. got this word that they reckon jobs, 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 everything jobs, 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 they jobs. want to do somehow creates jobs. Yes. And it's nonsense, but it's their shorthand. And I really want to have a, have a journo stand up to Scummo and say something to the effect of, Prime Minister, do you, do you think that people listening to this realise that when you talk about jobs, what you mean is taking away wages and conditions. You mean tilting the powers away from workers yeah. to bosses. Do you think people understand every time you say jobs, that's what it means. I really, it's so important at this point that, that the word jobs, he loses that. The conservatives need to lose that yeah, as a coverall. Those are crappy. Like those are, not only is he talking about, you know, screwing over your penalty rates and screwing over your conditions and your ca- the, making it easier to casualize you. He's then... Then also, yeah, deregulating and making everything harder to stay safe at your work. So not only can, is earning a livable wage harder, but then you're more likely to, you know, hurt yourself or yeah. something bad happen to you. And I, I, I wanted to break through that people, so that every time people hear him say jobs, they realize that what is happening is he's going to be making their working lives harder. Absolutely. Every time he talks about jobs, he's not talking about improving your wages. No. He's not talking about improving your conditions. He's not work, making you more secure at work. It's the opposite. Every time he says jobs, he means stuff that makes your job harder. In fact, one of the things that got ditched from his bill uh, that actually did have support to pass in the original bill, one of the only good things some of the crossbench senators had managed to do was negotiate some criminal provisions from wage theft. Um, and that would allow, then they would allow some other things that would harm workers to happen because those criminal provisions were yeah, wage. It was a deal. Wage, it, was it was a deal. deal. You really? know, there was a negotiation. Employees can have more powers to screw workers, but at least. You know, but if you get caught screwing workers, then you'll yeah. criminal <clears throat> charges. Yeah, so the um, government took that out. That exactly. And so even <clears throat> though there would have been enough support to pass it, they took it out. Yeah, we don't want to have. 
employers who steal wages yeah and so the thing about it was is that both victoria and queensland have quite strict um provisions about wage theft that's right so it would have overturned our stricter provisions so those actually stand that is the one thing in victoria and queensland but around the rest of the country there are no provisions and there's no national thing about wage theft And the last thing I wanted to mention before we go was you see the story where somebody who, who was a progressive sort of person on Twitter, but uh, of the older generation and thought that they could make change by joining the ALP. Yeah. You know, the ALP always tells us they're a broad church, right? If you want to see progressive change, don't join the Greens, join the ALP. Because yeah. we're a party of government. And he, jo- he voted for the ALP in the last election and all But he's been critical stuff. of some of their policies in relation to, I think... The 2010 election. <laughs> right. So they knocked him back. They sent back this letter saying, no, so this 69-year-old, Dear Humphrey, I'm writing with regards to your recent application to join the Australian Labor Party. Your application was presented to the Administrative Committee on 8th of March. The committee has decided not to accept your application based on your active advocacy against Labor on social media during the 2020 state campaign. Oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah. So if you're critical of Labor and then you decide, you know what, I'm going to join them and try and, you know, bring them to the progressive side from the inside. Well, they don't want that. No, they don't. Anyway, look, I, I've, and it's actually kind of, I kind of think that's a good thing because I don't actually want the, the ALP taking, because what the ALP's traditional model has been is it takes mm. in progressive people and then runs them against progressive parties, you know, people like Jim Keeney, yeah. they run them against progressive, and then when in, in terms of actual government though, they don't get any actual real say because yeah. they're overwhelmed by the right-wing numbers within the party. So instead of having a progressive person who would have been in the Greens and would have been in Parliament advocating for progressive policy in Parliament, yep. they're silenced by the ALP. That's what happened to Peter Garrett, what happened to like all these people who are progressive and are like, well, I need to join the progressive big party. Anyway, no. it's nice to see that the ALP is now much more overt about, no, <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, we so don't want anybody who has ever criticised us in the past. You know, if you... Um, if you cannot be a Labour tragic, then you cannot join us. Yeah. So don't. Yeah. Don't. Australia versus humanity. And just in a happy dose of Australia versus humanity to finish off the podcast, we've uh, deported a 15-year-old boy back to New Zealand. Did he ever um, live in New Zealand? Does he have family in New Zealand? No, probably a not. A distant family, but not any family he knows. He's never visited New Zealand. He may... It's unclear because they've been very secretive about it. What was, um, his, what was the criminal offence? They're very secretive about it. He's a minor, so they won't tell us. Apparently, there's behavioural issues. What? That's <laughs> deported to Yeah, and so they've deported him back to New Zealand. And uh, so Peter Dutton, on the anniversary of the um, Christchurch massacre, said that these deportations are part of taking out the trash and deporting people from New Zealand back to... Uh, New Zealand, when many of them were born and or not born, but many of them have lived in Australia their entire lives and have no path to permanent residency or citizenship or support, even though they pay taxes, you know, all of that sort of thing. Taking so, out the trash. Like, they, the they, trash. Really do, they really are. Whenever there's a group of people that they feel that they can bully without consequence, and they certainly think that's the case. They go in hard. People, yeah. Illegals, trash. Not even human beings. Yeah, and like you talk about people with no social supports, no any supports. Like, if you want someone to uh, make a change in their life and actually start to live a better life, do you don't do you don't uproot them from everything they know and teach them back to another country that they're only nominally a citizen of. It's it's a dick move actually because, between two countries. Separate to what it does to the human being in, in question, it's a dick move to the other country because, like, presumably, New Zealand has Australians who've committed crimes. Like, you don't want to. 
the best case scenario for the citizens of both countries is that you rehabilitate the people where they live and rather than both sides I mean, it's not like New Zealand's going to chuck back, you know, our Christchurch massacre to Australia because they'd rather actually deal with the criminal system there. And fair enough. But it's not like... the Say New Zealand took the same approach. So, okay, we just get people who, are, who are badly socialised chucked back here because they're not, they, they've only ever lived in New Zealand. The difference is here. an Australian who goes to New Zealand can get permanent residency. They can get social supports if they're working. They can get... Um, they can get citizenship. And a New Zealander who comes to Australia cannot get any of those things. And they used to. Since two, yeah, two thousand and one, yeah. they changed it. But what I'm saying is, like, if, even if you ignore the inhumanity, the monstrousness of like what we're doing to this individual, the fact that what this reveals about Dutton that he's still a person who calls human beings illegals. Like, yes, and like pieces of trash. A, 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 a tra- yeah, like the fact what that says about Dutton as a human being is just unbelievable. I mean, it's not unbelievable; it's entirely consistent with. It's, it's weird having those attitudes and saying those things. Also matched by vicious, cruel conduct. It's yeah. like yeah. words and conduct are connected. But I'm just like even separate past that. If you've got two different countries, each have citizens from the other. If you know, in a body of people, people commit crimes. If you take the approach of letting somebody stay in the community, you know, they serve a, a, a whatever punishment is appropriate within that criminal justice system, and then when they come out, they have the supports to rehabilitate in a community that they understand and where they can actually have the best chance of rehabilitation. There's that outcome, or. Both countries can just be dicks about it and send people off to oh, places where they've got yeah. no supports and be like, surely that makes things worse for the yep. other citizens, not just the, the, the people who commit, allegedly committed the crimes or found guilty of the crimes, but who wants people who That's are horrible. chucked into a, in, out of, into where they've got no supports well, and he's thrown out? In, what do you think those people are going to do? So this kid's been living in immigration detention and has now been sent back. We did have the anniversary recently of the two Sri Lankans who they, the Biloelo kids who are now, are they three now that they've spent their mo- almost all their lives in a detention centre because Dutton's a complete monster? Anyway, anyway I, I was going to end on, on, on the upbeat. Well, I mean, people being encouraged not to join the ALP is sort of a minor upbeat, but it wasn't quite the, oh God, there is cruelty happening in our name every day. Hooray. Never stops. So, look, um, if you've got some ideas of how we can throw this stuff or what we can be tweeting or retweeting back at journalists to be like, every time Scummo says jobs, how do we yeah. call him on this? Point yeah. out, make sure that people hear, hear. Like, what's the punchiest way of getting it, of, of saying to Scummo, I'm getting people who listen to that press conference and house report on the news that night, here's Scummo confronted with, when you say jobs, don't you usually just mean making jobs worse? Yes. Don't you mean helping employers? If jobs... Isn't your general thesis that if things are worse for workers, then employers will hire more of them? And interestingly, it's one of those funny things where if you make things that they pay less in supplements... Not supplements. But they found that people don't actually put on more people. They just expect those people to still do the work and they don't... Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only way to actually increase employment is to increase demand for the services that are being provided. Giving money to the employers, the employers just keep it. The only way, like, if you're a shop and they give you, you know, free, the, the government's thing, like, here's free equipment and stuff. What are you going to do? You're going to hire stuff that makes it easier to, for you to hire fewer people. Yeah. And, and, and you're going to pocket the rest of it. When are you going to hire more people? You're going to hire more people if more people are out there with money who can buy your stuff. Do you know what you could do to do that? You could raise social uh, supports yeah. and social security and then give people, like, at least the poverty level. Mm. It's, in fact, when, when, when they're trying to claim that the, Australia's done reasonably okay in the, in the pandemic... It's almost entirely due to the fact that yeah. we had, for, for that period, have not been starving the poor. Yes. And it's getting worse now that they are starving the poor. Exactly. Anyway, um, so Denise, where can people find you on the toots? Dean C at Twitter. D-E-E-N-S-E-Y. And you can find us at Well May We Say. Uh, thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers for continuing to support this podcast. We're sorry that there's been 
We, we get these gaps because sometimes it's really hard to, like, we, we weren't quite, it kind of had to, anyway, there's, there's other factors. Thank you, but thank you for keeping the podcast going. I do actually need to, there's some, some equipment upgrades that I need to do, so thank you for continuing to support the podcast. Thank you, Alex Lump for the artwork. Thank you, Robin Gray for the music, and we'll see you all uh, hopefully next week. See you then. Bye. Bye.